Hello, everyone, and welcome to Thrifters Villa, a podcast for resellers and entrepreneurs. I'm Daniela. And I'm Lori. And today we have part two of Thrifters Villa Q&A for you. All right. We're just going to jump right into it. We'll see what the right. day is. We had a lot of questions. So yeah. Gonna... So last week we had answered three out of four of the questions from Brenna. Mm -hmm. And her final question was, what is the best thing you've purchased or paid off with your reselling money? That's such a great question. I know. So I'm going to do best thing I purchased first. Okay. Uh, Best thing I purchased was my Chanel wallet. Ooh. That was the best thing I purchased with my reselling money. Uh, I mean, I purchased a lot of really great things, but that is like my pride and joy that I'll never get rid of because I own a piece of Chanel. Yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah. That is a beautiful piece. Yeah. And it was only, I know this is a lot of money, but it was only $350. When you think of Chanel, like that's a bargain. <laughs> yeah, it really is for Chanel. That is impressive. Yeah. That's exciting. That was just luck. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of something that I, I just purchased probably the most expensive, not probably it is the most expensive yeah. thing I've ever purchased on Poshmark, um, with my reselling money. And, you know, I hated that. It just like took the money, <laughs> you know, when I <laughs> so your pending it, balance, was, really it, I was like, Oh, that's right. I bought a bag for 500 bucks. <laughs> um, but I'm working on that video right now, but it was an Antigona bag by Givenchy and it's retails for like 2,500 and mm-hmm. it resells pretty consistently for about a thousand and I got it for 500. And so I'm doing a little review of it. Um, so that was probably the most expensive, you know, on Poshmark. I can't think of anything outside of Poshmark that I've. Me neither. Most of my stuff I've bought, like my Chloe boots I bought on Poshmark. Most things I just buy on Poshmark because it's easier for me to sort through and use my pending balance. Yeah. It's really nice when you have that balance. Yeah. Um, so as far as paid off, what about you? Or for like me, in- it was my undergraduate student loan. I, I paid off my undergraduate student loan, my reselling money. And currently, well, and then present day, I guess I use it to pay off the remaining small balance I have in my credit cards before we purchased the house. And now moving forward, I think the goal is going to be to pay off my car with my reselling money. That's just awesome, Daniela. I mean- like you know, check, check, and check. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Done. I can't touch my graduate loan with reselling money. We're going to be here for a long time. Look, I just That's okay. That's yeah. okay. One but, thing at a time. Right, but I figure if I can pay off my car. That's a significant expense that I don't have to pay anymore every month, right? And my car is only three years old, so I'm going to have huge. it for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, and it's in good. And then when you without that payment every month, you're just like, well, this is great. Like that payment can go to your graduate loans, right? Right. Once- you right. There are up. things we want to do with the house or like however we want to allocate it. Right. Um, so that's the next goal. And I figure it's the next smallest, but still substantial amount of money that we can tackle with reselling money. Because for me, this is my extra money that I can either play with or do something constructive with. And it's not touching my full-time income money that's designated to regular household bills. So yeah, that that's incredible. So for me, um, because I don't really pay many of the bills with, with my money. Um, I've always literally just like banked my money and, um, and then re reinvested into mm-hmm. my business, but it's, it's been in the bank now for three years. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. And you know, I've, I've bought a computer with it. I've bought like a lot of stuff, like I said, for my business, label makers, steamers, all that stuff. Um, but Jay and I decided last year, um, that we wanted to pay our house off sooner than we had anticipated. And I looked at my bank account and I said, I have a significant amount that, you know, that's sitting Mm -hmm. here. It's great that it's, it's in the bank, but like, we don't need to be paying the interest on our house for another 10 years or whatever. So I put in a big chunk and Jay matched it with like his little slush fund and, um, yeah, we're, we're hoping that the house will be paid off next year, which That's is fantastic, Lori. Yeah. And I've never, never have I ever contributed anything like yes, this. That's a big deal. Yeah. And, and it was my idea, which is like funny because Jay's the finance guy yeah, and I, yeah. I usually do the spending and he stops me and like, <laughs> it always brings me down to reality and, yeah. and is the reason we even have a roof over our head in large part. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I was just like, cause you know, we we're talking about because we still have three kids in college, yeah. well, we just, you know, Anthony's paid for, but we're working on that every year. 
And I said, well, why do we have the house hanging over our head if we have this money in the bank that we can pay it and just, you know, then it just opens doors for us. And, you know, we either just have that money at the end of the month or we look at a second property or we pay off the kid's college or whatever right. it is. And he's like, you know, that's a really good idea. So we did it and we saved a lot of money on, mm-hmm. on interest for, mm-hmm. you know, what was going to be another 10 years of payments or whatever. Maybe it was like seven or eight, but anyways, yeah. So that was, that was pretty significant for me. That's um, great. Yeah. So. That's a success story right there. Well, thank you. Stay I mean, for, mom for who like, never really paid for, for stay at home mom who never yeah. contributed anything besides like, you know, maybe, you know, when I worked at American girl, if I worked like a 30 hour, 40 hour week, which I did on occasion, you know, it wasn't chump change, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a career and it wasn't Mm -hmm. anything we could really count on because my hours varied every week or whatever. So I would pay for like a competition outfit for Angelina, or I would pay, you know, little things, hundred dollars here, 500 tops here, you know, but like nothing like a mortgage or a payoff, you know? So yeah, pretty big deal for our family. Yeah, that's awesome. That's kind of like how I always view reselling for me, which is why I don't think I'll ever stop, which I think we've talked about, you know, I don't think I'll ever end it because it is such a important piece of like helping me get to the next stage in life and helping me like even financially get to that next step and and pay things off or save like, you know, once we're in a more comfortable place in our life, you know, now with the move and everything, it's like craziness, right? You got to yeah. buying furniture and all this other stuff. But um, my ultimate goal is to save enough to put into, you know, to contribute into my Roth IRA that I already have and like, just keep building it up for retirement. Like that's where my focus is going to be that's in awesome. the next probably 10, 10, 15 years is I already have things in place for retirement, but I want to, I want to really build it up and put myself and my future children in a good place too. It's so exciting, Daniela. And I think that's what's cool about reselling is if you have a goal in mind and, you know, maybe there's a a specific number attached Mm -hmm. to it, like, oh, I want to buy a Chanel bag and it's $5,000 and Mm -hmm. this is what I need. And Mm -hmm. then you're like, ready, set, go. And then Mm -hmm. you hustle to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if it's a car payment or, Mm -hmm. you know, the things that we're talking about right here. Um, it's kind of cool with reselling that you can kind of just do the math. Like, you know what it takes when, when you hit a certain point after you've done it for a little while, you know what it takes to make X amount of dollars. And you're like, all right, well, if my average selling price is this, Mm -hmm. then I have to sell this many things in this amount of time. And then I will net this amount. And now let's multiply that by how many months in order to get that vacation and, or, and it's kind of fun because it's in your control to, to us, to an extent, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. So that, that's awesome, hon. That's Good awesome. question, Brenna. Love it. Great question. All right. Next question is from Adriana and, um, it is goals. <laughs> do you set up short-term and long-term goals and what are they? I think we both do this. We have our own little goals. I feel like short-term is always the one that you, that is easier to attain. So you tend to focus a little bit more on the short-term goal, but I think we have long-term goals as well. Lori, what are your current short-term or long-term goals? Or do you not have any right now? No, I mean, I feel like they've been in flux quite a bit with the pandemic and things Mm -hmm. that I thought were important at the beginning of the year have changed a little bit. And um, uh, I I feel like a long-term goal for me is always getting a handle on all the moving parts. That's where I struggle. I'm not like an organized person by nature. I'm kind of a yes person where I, I'm not really good at saying no to a lot of things. And I'm always like, my plate's always overflowing. So I'm always trying to reel things in. So long-term, I would really, um, you know, I'd love to get Amazon up and running yeah. where it's just like a weekly thing. Um, and I would like to be a little bit more consistent with eBay, like a lot of the same stuff. Um, and I would like to get my uh, VA up and running. Yeah. I guess those are kind of more short-term things. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it all depends on what your timeline is. I think Amazon could be a long-term goal because I feel like Amazon takes time to get into a rhythm and find what works for you, what category you really want to be selling in, and then like finding your source. You're right. You're right. Like right now, um, I'm just trying to figure out what I want to, what I want to focus on. Like what which my is your short-term. Is, which is short-term. Yeah. And yeah, just just literally keep my head above water, like proud that I'm in a group chat and I know what certain little acronyms mean that like for so long, everything was over my head. Everything was over my head and things are starting to connect now. Yeah. And, um, 
Cindy, who runs the course that I take with Monica, um, one of the things she said, and, and I think this, it just really resonated with me. And I think it goes for everything, which is why I want to mention it here. She's like, the only thing that separates people from who are successful on Amazon and who are not is not like if you're sm- if you're a smart shopper, if you have good instinct, if this, if that, if you took the course, she's like, it's the people who decided to just stick with it mm-hmm. through all the mistakes, through all the setbacks, through all the insecurities, like the people who can just persevere and stick through the, the craziness of having no idea what the hell you're doing are the ones who are successful because eventually you will get it. And I feel that way about, you know, people get, you know, uh, eBay slows people down or cross posting or right now the VA is a mental block for me. Like I can't pull the trigger on that. It's not the money. It's not the, I just like, don't quite know logistically how I want to do it. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I think, I think that is a long-term goal to just persevere through it all and just be on the other side where I have a little bit of a rhythm there. Yeah. I don't, my current short-term goals are all monetarily driven just because that's what this business is for me. It's another way for me to make income. So like most of my short-term goals are like to increase my pending balance in Poshmark. So I'm consistently in that like, 1000 to 1200 pending every week, mm-hmm. give or take depends on the week, right? Like I can't say that that's what it is all the time, but on average, we'll say I'm between 700 and 1200 in that range. Mm-hmm. I would love to get to that next step. And I always like strive to get there. And I never have been able to, to get past the 1500, like that 1500, 2000, that would be like my next step. In that, that's it's interesting how you say that. Like I'm trying to process that because, so what do you, do you only withdraw your money once a week? No, I withdraw it as it comes out, but I have it, I have it written down like this week I've made X amount and I kind of calculate it that way. I see. Yeah. So that's how I track it because I pull every day because I don't like to keep my money in there. Um, As soon as it's available, I'll take it out. But I have like a written log of, okay, you know, this is everything I've sold this week and I I track it that way. It's on a spreadsheet. Right. I withdraw every time I hit $500. Oh, I don't know why, like I used to do it at the end of the month. And then like, you know, after so many people yelled at me, like, you know, it's not a bank account. Don't do that. So now it's like, you know, and I probably, I mean, I don't know. I probably do about a thousand a week, Mm. maybe a little bit more, but, um, so I don't, I don't, I don't really pay attention. I just look at what's cleared and once it's over 500, I transfer, transfer, and then I just leave everything else. Um, so that that's better than waiting till the end of the month for me. Yeah. So I don't know. I would like to hit that next step, but I also feel like I don't know how to really get there unless I start sending out crazy offers on things. And because I feel like when I look at my my data, Poshmark is basically all offers. That's how most of my stuff sells. It's I mean, I have some full price sales, but mm-hmm. it's mostly like offers either the buyer is sending to me or that I've sent out and then there's a negotiation that happens. So I, I want to say last time I checked, it was like 88% of my sales Wow, are strictly offers. I mean, most of mine come in as offers, but like, I think we both price a little high and you mm-hmm. might price a little even higher than me. I don't know. I don't know. Or you, just on the have, piece. you just have higher end pieces maybe. Cause I, I don't know. Yeah. I think I've streamlined my business so much that it's just a very specific type of item and buyer that's coming in, which sometimes makes it more difficult for me to make, I guess, the same sales as someone like you who has different types of items. And it's kind of like always a rotating thing. Well, because if I have like high-end items, but then I have a couple like old Navy pieces for 18, like that, that kind of fills in the blanks to the luxury. Where I don't have that. On occasion I do, but usually it's my own stuff that I'm throwing up there, right? Yeah. Or you'll pick something up if it's like specific, like a really banger style that you think is going to go. Yeah. Um, I know I, and this month has been kind of slow for me. I, I did run a sale, um, last week that was, you know, basically, I think my average selling price was between like 22 and 25, which is lower than typical for me because it was half off anything that was over a year old that I sent out offers through posture VA. Um, and that, that always works, um, to a certain extent, but yeah, it's, it's hard to know what that magic pill is, right? That's why yeah, we're here. And I don't know what it is. So it's like a short-term but long-term goal at the same time. But like in the, right now I have like a number that I want to hit every month 
with my reselling money so that I can reach the different financial goals that I have. Right. So that's, that's my, my, really my short-term goal. But in order to get there, I need to figure out the other stuff so that I can kind of advance it a little bit more. And then long-term, um, I don't know, because this changes all the time. I feel like it's so hard for me to stick to one long-term goal when it comes to reselling, but I feel like I foresee sometime in the future, and I don't know when this will be, I have no timeline, nothing, where this entire business will evolve into something a little bit more where maybe I don't work full-time in an office setting anymore, and I'm more at home. Do I know what it's going to take to get there right now? No, I have no idea because it's not like my immediate, I want to do it right now. I don't have like a plan. Like I don't have a two-year plan, three-year plan, nothing like that. But it's something that Matt and I have talked about, and it's something that he's also interested in, and then just trying to see how we can evolve all this. And maybe it is by incorporating Amazon. I mean, maybe that is really what the key is going to be for us to then take it to the next step and he's a part of it too so we definitely have that vision for ourselves to just be home and um you know we would obviously have to figure out the benefits and all of that kind of stuff but that's really I think and I think that's a lot of people my age that's what the vision is especially now with how COVID kind of jump-started all of it and people were able to work from home I think our generation now sees like okay, we, we could actually do this. Like this is actually feasible for us now mm-hmm. um, where like my parents' generation wasn't feasible at all. These even your friend, Lori, even my generation, <laughs> even like, Lori's generation, even my generation. Um, I am what, like 15 years older than how old I'm 34. So, all right. I'm, yeah. I'm 48. So 14 years older, but um, Jay and I were just saying this because our son is working remote and his first job for him, we feel really sad because he doesn't have any connection with right, no interaction with the people. That's the opposite extreme. But in general, I said, you know, there are some upsides to this for this generation. Mm -hmm. It was never, ever, ever our expectation. And maybe that was like just limited because we weren't really entrepreneurs like at the time. But, um, you know, Jay was like three piece suit accountant every day up and out. And then about 10 years ago, the suit went away mm-hmm. and um, he started working from home, like maybe one day a week or he traveled to clients. And now this just, it's mind blowing how it opens the door for where people can live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what you can do as a side hustle, mm-hmm. what even for family looks like for families now, like it yeah. just changes so much. So as terrible as things have been through the pandemic, I do think it's it's set us on this different path. So that's exciting to hear you say as far as long-term, not, I mean, exciting because it's a goal for you. Um, But I would say that even a year ago, you would have said um, that you would never quit your full-time job. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply job to yeah, be and I wouldn't in, in present day I wouldn't either but right right I, but I don't I even know that it was a goal or maybe you no. just didn't think it was attainable before yeah I didn't think it was to be honest with you but I think as time is going on it can happen there's just a lot of things that have to happen now to kind of spring yourself to that point because I mean let's be honest cost of living in New England is very high it's just the way it's extremely high mm-hmm. um Yes, we do. I guess we make more money out here. If you have a traditional job, depends. Yes, I know. Not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Not, Not necessarily, because I could go to Boston, New York City and make way more money. You know, it's just, um, I don't know. There's a lot of things that have to, like, there has to be a significant amount of money savings. Like, there has to be a lot of structure put in place. So do I, do I think it could happen? Yeah. Do I think I'm anywhere near that right now? No. Well, that's but what I makes think I have the tools nice to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I have the tools to get there. And I think... Um, it's helpful that Matt is fully remote now all the time. So it, it kind of changes things, you know, it changes even what our, what we thought our future would look like. And now it's like, well, he'll be home all the time. So I don't have to worry so much about maybe finding a daycare for every single day during the week. You know what I mean? Like there's just little things like he does the laundry while he's here and, you know, he'll clean and all that kind of stuff. So when I come home, it's really just dinner I need to worry about. And so stuff like that, you know, is it, nice. And it kind of made us start thinking, well, maybe we could do something else and 
live a a life that isn't so caught up in work, 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 like work the two jobs, work the three jobs, not be home so much, you know? Really nice. I mean, it almost feels a little bit more European the way we're headed. Yeah. As far as I love it. Can we have a siesta time? at 4 p.m.? That's all I want. Then <laughs> life is good. Life would be good there. I am terrible with the question like long-term stuff. Um, I've been in other interviews before where people have asked me what I want long-term and I always freeze because I, I don't know it's why. It's a hard thing though. It's It's difficult to like I don't know. I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. Never mind. You know, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's good to think about because I think it helps you with your short-term goals. Mm -hmm. If you really know, maybe that's why I'm so flipping scattered because I don't really know what the hell I'm doing. (laughs) I have my hands in a lot of things and I'm like, uh, I, you know, I definitely would love to long-term hit some nice numbers on YouTube and continue Mm -hmm. that. I really have enjoyed traveling and thrifting. I would like to continue that on some level, whether it's thrift across New England. I also just started reseller on the road. I haven't like really coined the phrase yet, but that's kind of like, I'm like, what, what's a good catchy yeah. thing um, that's a springboard from thrift across New England. So that's something I've thought about. Um, but yeah, more there and less in maybe the the, not the day-to-day of reselling, but like I'm not doing what sold videos as I traditionally did in the past Mm -hmm. or a lot of like how to videos. Like I Mm -hmm. feel like I want to incorporate more lifestyle into, Mm -hmm. um, into my reselling. Not like, not like I'm going to, you know, start doing recipes or walking my dog in the park sort of thing re consistently, but I don't know, like just a little bit more stuff sprinkled in there. A little Um, more personal. Yeah. Cause I, I like that. I like that side of it. So that's a long-term goal. I have one. I like that. Okay. Next question. Using Vendu, this is from Donna. Do you market sold and delist from all the marketplaces when it sell, when you sell a cross-listed item or do you delist and mark sold from the platform itself? Would love your opinions on about why you do either. I'd love more from either of you about your preferences on Vendu. So I would say Lori is definitely more of a Vendu guru than me, but I do D-list on Vendu. That I do. Yeah, do. To me, that's the whole benefit of having yeah. that yeah. feature because when you D-list on Vendu, Vendu then goes and D-list, not D-list. I mark it as sold. I mark yeah, it as yeah, sold. sold right, oh, yeah, right. yeah. So I want to clarify because I think that's part of the question. I will. So if I have an item listed on um Mercari, eBay, Poshmark. It sells on Poshmark. I go into my inventory on Vendu. I go into Poshmark. I mark it as sold. If it was listed at $45 and it sold for 30, I mark what it was sold for. I'm inconsistent about whether I record my, um, the shipping and all that, um, the, you know, if I give a shipping discount, Um, because to me, that's not even what that is the most important feature of for that. For me, it's making sure I don't sell it twice on two platforms. That's my, my main goal for having that feature. So once I mark a sold on Poshmark, it will then go in and automatically delist it from eBay and Mercari. I don't have to do that. Whereas if I do that on the platform itself, then I have to go back and do it on the other platforms, which to me, takes some time the benefit of even ha- paying for that feature on Vendu. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I agree. It saves you time and you don't have to second guess yourself. Oh, did I take it off that platform? I really don't remember. Let me go back and look. I mean, then you're just wasting time at that point where you could have photographed something, right? Or put something away or whatever it is. Yeah, I do want to clarify this one thing, which is a which is a little bit of a glitch. I don't think it's Vendu's fault, but um, on like say that same item sold on eBay and I mark it as sold on eBay. If there are open offers on Poshmark and it goes it to close it on Poshmark, it will, it will say that it's delisting it, but then it will highlight and it will, and you'll look and it will still say that it's listed. Ah, yeah. So because won't. Poshmark doesn't let you delete if there's an exactly, offer. Exactly. Which is, mm-hmm. oh, so, but then, so annoying, I, Poshmark, then I have if you're listening Poshmark and like lie and like change the size or yeah. change something in the description. Yeah relist it. And then, I mean, it's, it's, there are workarounds for that, um, which is frustrating to me why Poshmark just doesn't allow, if there's an open offer and somebody hasn't taken it, you are the seller. Right. I can do it on eBay. I can, someone sends me an offer. I can just end the item. Like, Oh no, I forgot to, I forgot to delist this. 
No, but you can even send out items to watch offers to watchers, even if you send the offer. Yeah. And then end it. Like if somebody didn't respond, they didn't respond. Like it's Mm -hmm. your listing. It's so frustrating to me on Poshmark. But anyways, that is just a little buyer beware if somebody is using that feature on Vendu. All right. The next question we have is also from Donna. It is how do you fend off FOMO? (laughs) It's hard, man. Especially with social media, it makes it so when you like are scrolling through and you see all with someone, maybe it's someone local and they find a bunch of really great things and you're Mm -hmm. like, oh. I didn't go today, you know, and you're like, I got to go, you know, but I actually just in the beginning, it was much harder for me. Now I'm just kind of like, I don't have the time or the patience to get myself out there to go right now. So it is what it is. Yeah. It is. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't have FOMO as much with, um, thrifting as I do now with Amazon because in my bowl, Uh, well, that's different. Things are kind of time sensitive. So Mm -hmm. they'll say, you know, this just hit Walmart or whatever, and either I get to the website and it's sold out, or I just don't have time to go there in person. So I know what I'm missing out on. But with thrifting, that's the beauty of it. You don't know if you, you just never know on bag at the bins. You don't know. You, know, so. you found Salvatore Ferragamo in a bin that someone was looking at. And that was just by chance. That was insane. That's crazy. Yeah, that was, that was one of my highlight bin mo- bins moments. I mean, you can see you had a Farragon moment. I had a question to your moments. You can't say the New Hampshire bins and treat you good. No, absolutely. That day, that day was just crazy. I, I just can't get over. <laughs> and the sweet woman, like looking for her little light tank tops. <laughs> I just couldn't. She was like, it was like the bags were in her way. Yeah, like move these, please. Do you want them? She was like them. working all around them. I'm like, those look kind of good from here. <laughs> yeah. So funny. And again, there's something for everybody. Yeah, there so is. And we're looking for what we're looking for. So I think even when it comes to the FOMO, just because someone went to the thrift store and found really great things doesn't mean that when you go, you're going to find the same really great things because it all depends on when you show up and when they're rotating things out there, and when they're putting things on the shelf, it's all dependent on the staff. So mm-hmm. You have no idea. And here's another thing. You could go one day and find amazing things and then go back either later that day or early the next morning, the next day, and there'd be nothing left of that really nice stuff. So that theory doesn't always work that like, okay, if I go back tomorrow, I'm going to find even more great, really great stuff. Sometimes you will, but majority of the time you're not going to just, yeah, I think just trying to stay in your lane and realize And I know it's such a cliche line that's used over and over, but just, we are all on our own path, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. for me to compare my business to somebody else with like, and different, you know, maybe they're single, maybe they're, you know, there, there, there are so many things that go into what makes our individual businesses individual Mm -hmm. you could drive yourself crazy comparing yourself but the truth of the matter is like we are we are never going to be apples to apples even if we're in you know there are people we can definitely relate to I'm sure there are people listening who you know are stay-at-home moms and now doing this who relate to me a little bit more and there are full-time workers out there doing this part-time who you know hear a lot of themselves and what Daniela shares but at the end of the day our businesses are all individual so um I try to look at what I see in other people's posts or successes mm-hmm. as inspiration yeah. um, to kind of get me moving. Like, oh, look what she did. Like, that's kind mm-hmm. of exciting. I should go list something or I should go do this. But, yeah. you know, I try to not get too caught up in the FOMO. Sometimes sometimes it's hard, but um, it's not a huge. But we are humans after all. I mean, we have emotions. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Can you share time-wasting tasks? Oh, I have a lot of them. No. <laughs> activities you have stopped doing having learned through experience that's a good one yeah Um, the first thing that comes this is also from donna fyi donna sent sent us lots of wonderful questions yeah they're great um the first thing that comes right to my head when i hear things i stopped doing is i stopped listing brands that i thought were worth my time and that I thought were going to sell for a lot of money, given the like the designer name or whatever. And I have just sent them either to thread up or the real real and made money that way. That is the number one time saving thing that I've done for myself. I am not photographing them. I'm not storing them. I'm not listing them. I'm not continuously sending offers on them. They're just mm. going in the box and they disappear. Gosh, that sounds so nice. When right? you say Isn't it, it lovely? <laughs> Great. 
Um, I am getting better about it, Daniela. I'm getting you better. Are, you're more open to it where you weren't as open maybe even six months ago, seven months ago. Well, I think what happens is, is your time decreases. You become more open-minded to alternatives mm -hmm. because realistically, you know, that Christian Dior blazer, whatever the item is, you know, you could, if you're going to sell it yourself, you'll likely make more money selling it yourself. Yeah. I think, yeah. um, but it is, but how much of that time do you want to put into it? And you realize as you kind of go on in this journey with any small business, like your time is so precious mm -hmm. and, um, and where do you want to spend your time? Like I, right. I kind of would rather spend my time sourcing and then just throw them in a box. Right. Cause that's the fun part. <laughs> and exactly right. yeah, the payout is, isn't always great. I had two returns on the real, real, and they Get were big ones. It. Huh? Get used to it. People were returned seven times. I'm at the point where I'm just going to recall it because it just keeps getting returned. So I don't I know what's wrong. Return, do you think? I think that maybe the sizing, well, I probably should look a little deeper. The sizing might be off on the real real, um, which has happened to me before. And I've reached out and they've remeasured and everything. And then they've said, oh no, you're right. The sizing is off. We, you know, we mislabeled it and they, they fix it. Um, but I just think it's the way the piece, I think it's the description within the piece. I think it's not clear that it's a diffusion line and people are getting it and they're like, oh, this isn't oh, gotcha. the actual brand. It's a diffusion gotcha. line. So I, I probably am going to reach out to my rep for us and say, Hey, can you just change this and say that it's a diffusion line? And then maybe when it sells, it will actually stick um, and kind of go from there. But if they, but if they won't do that, um, I'm going to take it and send it to thread up because the same exact piece will thread up for $75 and I'm okay with making whatever that payout's going to be. That's good. That's smart. But I'll do a partner kit with it so that I get a little more maybe, and I can get a gift card and then I can spend the gift card. That's fun. That's a great idea. Yeah. Like, and I found on thread up, um, and this is kind of my general view, not thread up on the real, real, something surprise you in a good way. Something surprise you in a negative way. There are things that I don't think I could get $10 for after being on my Poshmark in my Poshmark closet for over a year with no activity. Um, that they will list really high and I will make way more money than I ever anticipated. Yep. And other things that I'm like, I can't believe they priced it at that. I can't believe it sold at 20% off. I can't believe my payout was only 40% and I made $19 on this excellent piece. Like, mm -hmm. but then for everyone like that, there's another one that surprises. So I feel like it kind of all comes out in the wash on the real, real kind of, if your cost is low enough, you have, yes. you know, if cost is low enough. It is what it is. You just have to go into it with just different mentality. And I, you know, I mentioned this in my, I think it was part two of my real, real video. I don't remember if it was part one or part two, but I go into like how they do their market analysis and they have like a whole team and they basically say, listen, this piece on this platform generally only sells at $40. Like we've priced it high and we've discounted, 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 and it always sells at 40. Why are we even going to waste our time? We're just going to list it at 40 and it's going to sell right away at 20% off. Yeah, like, I think you were, were you talking about the frame jeans? Yeah, I don't know which one I was I talking about. It was in your first video. No, I remember because that stayed with me. Um, like they listed it at 50 and then within a week they drop it to 40 and then your payout will be like $16. That, that's it. That's what you can That's what on. it is. Yeah, but so you that's how they do it. Dollars on a pair of jeans and then send them in. Yeah, you don't do that. I mean, you can, but you're not going to, you're going to make your money back. That's it. And the goal is to, at least double, right? You want to do more, but you want to at least double your money. Um, so that's just the way I have to look at it is they have their own market analysis team. They have a whole team dedicated to it. That's why they're a successful business. They price things the way that they, that their consumers will buy it at. Yeah. And they know, and they know it. So it sucks sometimes, but yeah. So I'm getting better. I have a bag ready to go. And then sometimes I just look at things and primarily for me, I hate photographing black stuff. Yeah. So you like send it all in. I'm like, I just got 20 boxes in yesterday from the real real of all items. I recalled they're all winter and 20 boxes? 20 boxes that I, I didn't realize there were so many. I don't know who packaged this stuff, but they put one item in each box. So I had like a bunch of small boxes and then I had three big boxes filled with things. And I'm like, who did this? But then I thought about it and all these pieces were sent during random times of the year. So they're probably in different parts of the warehouse and it's different people probably collecting them. Oh, that's interesting. Well, good packing them. materials for you. 
Yeah. So which right? is, I love getting lots of boxes. Um, and I have to go through them all. And they're all fall and winter. And I think I'm going to, well, I'm, some of them, I think I'm going to sell myself. I'm going to try to, and then the rest of them, I'm sending them all back in. And my rep told me to do it. She was like, just get them all, put them into the box and just send them back in because they're going to sell now it's fall and winter. So. Okay. For a question for another day, because I hear you talk about, this is like, this is, uh, I would love to see you do a video on this, Daniela, okay. because um, I feel like when stuff is like, you get it, you send it, you know, are you, you man, you do a manifest every time you send it. Right. So, you know, so I feel like there is a little bit of work involved in that. Like you call, you have them adjust the measurements, they send it back to you. Then you send it back to them. Okay. Now I'm going to send it to thread up. At what point does that become a time suck? At Evernorth health services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You know, to, to the point of this question. And that is the thing that I am a little bit weary of. I mean, I guess if I'm just taking it out of one box, putting it in a new box. That's all I do. That's two minutes. Um, but it seems like there's on certain pieces, a lot of time spent on monitoring. Like if, if it goes on sale, when do I recall it? Once I get it home, then do I resend it? When do I resend it? Where do I store it? Do I relist it? You know, like mm-hmm. that's the thing that worries me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's second nature to you and that's it why is. it doesn't stress you out. But I, that, that's like a little bit of like a, Hmm, when I see things getting like moved around to multiple platforms, sometimes it, I don't know, that would be an interesting thing for you to talk about. I'll write it down. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it in the log head there, <laughs> but I think it's awesome. You're doing amazing and congrats on your new status on the real, real. Yeah. 70%. It's very, VIP, right. I got that hundred dollar credit and I got three items. I sourced three items to resell with a hundred dollar credit. All I paid was shipping. So thrilled. So awesome. Yeah. Is that like, that's what you got um, because you became a VIP? Like 70% VIP. Yeah. They send you a hundred dollar credit. And um, I just went to the sales section. I was surprised at the things that I found in the sales section, put it in my cart and you know, three pieces for a hundred bucks. That's pretty good. And are you going to send it back to them or are you no, selling it on your own? Myself. The things I'm going to sell myself. That's so exciting. I know that I can sell myself. So there you go. Okay. What should or shouldn't I be paying my accountant? Or <laughs> can you share your best advice for bookkeeping? Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Call him in here. <laughs> One of these days. What should or shouldn't I be paying my accountant? Like, like bottom line, what should you be paying them or shouldn't? Or can you share your best advice for bookkeeping? I think, I mean, it's hard to speak to accountant stuff because that's dependent on who your accountant is. And yeah, like Lori doesn't pay her accountant. So (laughs) that's free of cost. And my accountant is um, a family member. So it's, you know, it's it's hard for me to answer that question. Um, I'm sure you could ask around different accountants and see what they would, you know, what, they should be charging you. I don't really know how to answer that part of it, but one of my best tips is to get a separate credit card. That, that makes life so much easier. We're going to get a separate credit card now for Amazon so we can separate out what I'm spending on Amazon versus thrifted items. But yeah. that eliminated so much work for Jay. So if you're talking about paying an accountant and having them go through individual like itemizing things, if you can get a separate credit card, oh my gosh, it makes life so much easier. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And I think for bookkeeping purposes, there's different apps and stuff that you can use for bookkeeping. And I'm going to speak just to my experience when I worked in the marketing firm. Um, I used to use this um, app and it's a website called Expensify. And basically you can put all your expenses. You can itemize everything yourself. You can link your credit cards to it. All of those transactions will come in. You can itemize them at the end of the month. And this is what I did every single time at the end of the month. I itemized all my transactions that were on the company credit card. And then um, I would um, export the spreadsheet for the month and send it off to our bookkeeper. And then the bookkeeper had everything the way that she needed. It was already organized. So it went off to the accountant. It was everything that they needed was there. So there are lots of like 
tools out there and Expensify is free. I think there's a paid version that we can have teams and stuff, but um, we use the free version, but there's tools out there for bookkeeping that make it easier for you where you can link everything to it. And you don't really have to worry about keeping receipts and all that. It just, it. That's so nice. Yeah. So I think if there's anything that anyone can do instead of doing bookkeeping and manual process, there are lots of, lots of things in technology now to help you with bookkeeping so that it's not so manual and you don't have to necessarily think about it as much. And it's more of like maybe an end of month task. Once you, once you get a rhythm with it, kind of go through everything, you pick one day at the end of the month and deal with it that way. Yeah. And one thing that I, I feel like I have a good habit with, and I don't have many good habits when it comes to bookkeeping. I I really don't. Um, But um, one of the best things I have done for my business is when I go shopping, I come in and I, yeah, that is a good habit that you have That is an immediate reaction for you. Because what I've known, what I've learned is that if I don't, I'm guilty of not doing it sometimes if I only pick up one or two items here or there. Um, and then before I know it, I've stopped at a few thrift stores and now maybe I have like 10 or 15 items. And if I don't where, like, if I get home from the bins, it's like, oh my God, I have 50 things. I got to write this all down right away. Um, but that, that really has made a big difference. And I can always go back and see check cost of goods. I can always go back and, you know, see if something, um, ever made it home. I, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's really helpful to me. I think another little small tiny tip for other resellers out there that maybe are smaller and do this on a smaller scale is use the tools and if you're a Poshmark seller or an eBay seller, you can use this on eBay too, but use different tools that they have where you can enter in um, a SKU or enter in your cost of goods. And that way you have another hub of where you're keeping your cost of goods. So I always keep my cost of goods on Poshmark as well, because they have that additional feature for you. I'm so glad you remembered to say that. That is massive. I think it's a big deal because sometimes my spreadsheet isn't complete because I'm scatterbrained at times. There's a million things going on. And I'm like, I have no idea. What did I pay for this? And then I'll go into my Poshmark because I know I put it there. That is like an automatic for me. I always put it there. And I have a second point of reference. And I don't have to go searching through receipts or anything like that. And that wasn't there when we started. On no, that's a new so thing. What Danielle is referring to, if you're unfamiliar with it, is when you go in, um, where is it? It's in the private section of your listing. Yeah, so it has here. additional information. Let me go into Boshmark right it's now. It's also a spot where you can write a SKU number or an inventory number. Um, you know, it's just for your reference. Additional and, um, details. Additional, you can't see it. Additional details. And it says private. And you can press um, see details and you can list your SKU, cost price, and then other information, whatever your other information. That's great. So you can do your SKU. You can say what bin it's in. You write your cost of goods and other information. Sometimes I'll write where I got it because sometimes I like to track like things that are selling from one particular location. Um, So that's what I'll write in that other information. Or if there's a flaw on the item or I want to make sure it's listed or something like that. I don't always use that, but um, that cost of goods is the most important thing. And that was a big game changer for my accountant when they added that feature, because when you do print out your sales report at the end of the year from Poshmark, that, that won't be included, but right. I don't know. It It is is included now. It's private for you to see. So when he, when he prints it out, he can see, because I remember when my first year in business, it would be like halfway through the year. And he'd say, you have to like, we would print out the sales thing and next to each item, he would want me to write what I paid for it. And half the time I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is, that's been a, a, a real big game changer. Okay. For newbies out there, I think that's a nice new tool too. If they're not like experienced with spreadsheets, you can download Poshmark's spreadsheet of your sales. The only problem with that is it's whatever has cleared during that month. It's not everything you've listed or that's sold. I'm sorry. So it's whatever items have cleared in September, right? But you can give it a range, can't you? When you print only it? whatever you've been paid out on. So let's say okay. something sold in September, but you haven't been paid out on it because it's sold. September I see. And you haven't been paid I'm thinking out. more long term for like taxes at the end of the year, like yeah, in that in that way. Yeah. It's- Yes. And that way it's you good. can give it a range, but yeah, it, I've tried to do that before when I'm doing like what sold videos and like for the first of the month, like, or the last of the month, like my numbers are off because it's when the payment clears, it's not when the sale was made. Yeah. Which yeah. is a flaw in their design, but it's okay. <laughs> Add that to the list. All right. How do you informally track your sales? Oh, we're talking about that daily, weekly, monthly, 
planner wall calendar apps. I'm using a calendar app and keep notes. What's your fave? Interesting. I mean, I use a spreadsheet. That's how I generally track everything. Um, but everyone's different too. And I think it depends on the size of your closet and how much you're selling, like all these things play into it. Right. And we've kind of touched on different things that we use, but I think if you can find, even if, if you're not comfortable with Excel and there's a way for you to track on pen and paper, there's ways to do this. Think of like a checkbook, like, you know, there's ways that you can do it that way. Um, I personally just like to have everything on a spreadsheet and you can make it very basic. You don't need to be, you know, you don't have, to have anything crazy on there. You literally can have the name of the product, how much you paid for it, where it was bought from, how much it sold for, was there a shipping discount? Like you can be very basic and, and then do your deductions that way. You can easily just insert a subtraction formula, addition formula, whatever it is that you want to add in and then a total. And those are very basic things that you can easily um, YouTube and um, or Microsoft has free um, classes as well that you can go on and just learn the basics of how to use Excel and just create something very simple for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, you don't need anything complicated. You don't just basic addition, subtraction. Yeah. Less is more. I, uh, to track my sales, use Seller Insight, which mm -hmm. is an app. Um, and they have like your daily sales and it's a bar graph and oh, I, I really like it. So it will, it will tell you um, how much you've made in sales by how high the bar goes up. But at the top of the bar, it will write a number um, of units that you sold that day. Nice. So I kind of like to look at that and make sure I'm making, you know, a few sales a day or at the end of the week, I like to, and it starts over every week. Oh, okay. Um, but then you can also click on a different button and it will show you your stats for the month oh. as well. Nice. So that that's kind of like my informal way. Like that's not a perfect system. Like if you sell a bundle on Seller Insight, oh, it won't count each item. It won't count like what the discount was. So it kind of inflates your sales a little bit, but it still shows you the units, and you know, it still gives you a gauge of like where you're at. It's ballpark. You know, I don't sell a ton of bundles, but I sell you know, yeah. Decent. But anyway, yeah. So it's not perfect, but it that's what I rely on a lot. I find myself going to that multiple mm. times a week to check in on sales. Yeah. But I think like even using a planner, like Donna's saying here, if you want to use a planner to like track, I had five sales today. I had two sales today. That's fine. Whatever works for you. There's I no kind of think that's even, I don't know. I like that because that's like, you know, that's visual. visual. You're writing it down. Um, like I always, I write my YouTube numbers on Monday morning, like in the little note section of my mm -hmm. planner as I'm like tracking growth. Um, and I just, and I find myself like, I'll be like, Oh, you know, where was I at three months ago? And I'll, I'll go back and just on a Monday, like I just write it over to the sidebar of my planner and, um, you know, nothing like paper and pen sometimes, but my favorite. And it's like a daily reminder too. like, Oh, I'm five sales in. And like, I'm trying to hit a certain goal by the year end. And in order to do that, I have to sell a certain amount each day. I'm failing miserably at it currently. <laughs> <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, but I have that number in my mind. Like I need, I want to sell $200 a day on average, you know, and, and I'm not there, but I mean, that's, that's my goal. And so that's also like, you know, I can look back and you can also achieve that by writing it down. Yep. And then this is the last question from Donna and it is, okay, last one, <laughs> besides all the platform apps in Google lens, what apps um, what are the apps that help you most and that you use the most as resellers? Thank y'all. Um, for me, I use Lightroom to edit my photos. I use Snapseed to help with my photos as well. Um, both are free. Um, I use Lightroom because I created my own presets that one day when I'm not so busy will release to everyone. Um, and I, that's how I lighten all my pictures. I just click a button and whatever, uh, Snapseed I like to use for like, um, I use the healing button so I can get rid of things in the background that I don't want anymore. Um, I use the Instagram grid app there. What's it called? Um, layout, layout, I layout, layout app. Um, that I've had for years. I used it for other reasons before, but now I use it for reselling. That's also free. I'm trying to think what else do I use? photo room. I mean, Lightroom. You didn't mention photo room yet. I use photo room. Photo room eliminates the background. Yeah. Um, makes everything so white to, to, for, all, for all of your stuff, like literally like pops it out and everything goes away in the background. I still use pick tap go to brighten yeah. my pictures. That's just like, I've had that for years and yeah. I always like have to, I literally only use lights on. That's the feature I use. Yeah. Um, 
and I'll brighten it that way. Um, I actually use the little editing tools right inside Vendu sometimes mm -hmm. to um, crop a photo or to lighten it a little bit or contrast, whatever. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Um... Picked up, go seller insight. Um, is she talking just with, I think just apps and you know what I use for Instagram? This is, I use later on Instagram. I use the free, oh, okay, yeah, the free scheduling thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schedule stuff. I mean, I don't typically like, I will like type it up in in later and then um, I'll make it, I'll make it go live that day. Very rarely. And am I actually scheduling it? Um, but I like it because I can type on yes, the computer. You can type everything up there. Um, I also think that Google Lens really is your best friend as a reseller. So I know everyone talks about it all the time, but like that's, I use it sometimes even, I'm not, I don't care what the brand is necessarily because I know it's not going to find the brand, but I more want to see what other photos pop up and what descriptions are in those photos for similar patterns and styles. Cause it gives me ideas of what keywords to use in my description. So sometimes, sometimes I do that or like I'm blanking on what a piece could be called and I just put in Google lens and then I see like, Oh, okay. That's what people are calling it. And then I can use that as my keyword. That's helpful. That's helpful. Yeah. I love Google Lens. Sometimes I get frustrated with it if my thing doesn't pop up, but I mean, Me honestly, like, what do you mean you don't recognize this? It's pretty amazing, man. I don't it know is. where we were before that. Lost and confused. Did you miss anything? Platform. Um, no, nope, that's Vendu, photo room. Think. There's a I lot. I can't anything else that YouTube, <laughs> YouTube is your friend. I mean, we use YouTube for a lot of things too, besides posting our own videos on. We use YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is a great learning tool for me. Mm -hmm. That's definitely a big resource. Um, but yeah, I think that's it in terms of like reselling. Um, the next one is a question that we got through email from Diane and it, it's kind of long. So we'll break it down a little bit and, her, and she starts it off with, I'm interested in how to be the most efficient and effective with my items and time included um, time including the items and activities I don't enjoy doing or listing. Um, I'm interested in how you group tasks or maybe don't for each of the actions from the moment you walk in the door with the 30 items you purchase on a sourcing day. I wish I walked in with 30 items on most days, but I don't. Mm -hmm. um, so I, her question is basically like from storing your inventory and your tubs, like the whole process, like what, what have we done to make it more efficient and effective? And then she kind of goes into how she does it. Um, and it sounds like Diane is doing it like one piece at a time. So she's steaming it, she's photographing it, she's adding it to her inventory, you know, putting it in her spreadsheet and then moving on to the next item. Um, and she uses tote scan, Lori. So you can see. Yeah, I'm reading that right now. And to be honest, like she says, the adding to the tote scan, this is where my problems begin. I don't love doing this part. So then I spend a lot of time catching up on this part. I also don't love updating my sold spreadsheets for tax purposes. Um, yeah, tote scan, I've been struggling with a little bit myself. Um, the issue with tote scan, I mean, I mean, there are, there are a couple of issues. I don't think it's a super advanced app and, um, it's one of those things like when it works, I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest. Like I, I do like a happy dance every time, you know, I, t I put one word in and the image pops up and I go to the bin and it's there, but it's, um, it's sensitive to a lot of stuff. Um, okay. I think the best thing to do is to take your exact title listing and put it into tote scan and find it that way and find it that way. Um, because like, so for example, I have, um, if I write J crew and I don't put the period in anything, oh, it, doesn't come up. it doesn't come up. Or if, um, like free people in the past, I'll, I'll do free people, but it's intimately free. And then it doesn't come up. So like, there are a lot of things that I'm like, this isn't worth it. You know, I get really frustrated with it. And the app itself is funky because, um, when you go to the search bar, and I've talked to Hope about this. My friend Hope is the one who told me about ToteScan. She wasn't having this issue, but she is now. And I'm afraid to delete it because I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to lose everything. Right, like, I don't right. know if I, once I brought it back, if it would just 
you know, put everything back for me. I'm paranoid. Um, but when you go to the search bar and if there's already an item there and you tap on the search bar, the screen goes away and you have to go back into the app and start over again. It, so it's and a glitch I, I, in the app. It's a glitch in the app and it happens every single time oh. I use it. So when I am like trying to pull inventory, it's just that extra step. It's an extra 10, 20 yeah. seconds every time I do it. Because when I go to very occasionally, if you tap on the, um, the bar, the search bar, and there's a word that's already in there and you press delete and it backtracks, then you can type a new thing mm-hmm. in. But nine times out of 10, the second you tap that search bar, the app goes away. What I've been thinking lately is, do I just go into Poshmark and where my SKU is, like just add the bin it's in? I would. I mean, like I'm not taking pictures. I'm not like, that's my new bottleneck is actually getting things in through tote scan. Once they're in for the most part, it's great. But like all these other little issues, I think it's just, I don't think that the app was really meant to be an inventory map app. It was like totes, like in your garage, like you got 20 right, of them. Like the, the everyday person storing things. And one exactly. Of like these are the things in my garage. These are the things in my attic. Mm-hmm. I love that you can put, you can um, do different locations. Like I have studio mirror. So those are all my bins up against the mirror. Just studio is all the other ones. Then I have big room, big wall. Like that just means, you know, it's where they're located. If you have stuff, like if you don't have a big inventory room and you want to put your stuff in a closet in your bedroom, you could just write bedroom closet and you know exactly where it is. So there are things that are so amazing, so amazing about it. Um, but then there are glitches. So yes, um, I can see why she's, that's where her problems start. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, she mentions how um, she steams, takes the pictures, adds to inventory, writes the listing and then submits it. I think, I think that's fine to do. I personally don't do it that way. I batch work. So I photograph all of my items and then I sit and then I list all my items. Like I have days where I do things or I have hours where I do things like this first half hour is just photographing. And then I put everything away at the same time. And then we move on and we do something else, you know? So maybe batch working would make the process go a little bit faster for you. Um, I think it depends. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I definitely, and there are people that even break down batch work even further, which I don't do where they'll only photograph shoes one day or they'll only photograph pants. And just because you just get into a rhythm. And so it moves a lot faster than if you're going from sweaters to pants, to shoes, to headbands, like that sort of thing. Um, I don't do it that way because I, I like a variety on my screen when it pops up. I like to alternate things, but I suppose you could batch photograph and then just list them in a different order. So you mix up how things are, you know, importing to Poshmark. Um, but I definitely think some form of batching is good. I agree. Um, what it's I have found the most efficient is to take the pictures and do quick drafts where I just include measurements and real minimal stuff. Um, and then to sit down later when I'm, because I personally like to do everything on my computer as much as I can. I'm much faster than I am on my phone. I think the younger kids, they move just as fast on their phones. I like to have the desktop to do my, um, my listings and make them go live. So I don't know. Yeah. I think batch work might be a good thing to look into and the tote scan thing. I mean, Lori just kind of touched on that. I don't use it, so I can't really say. Yeah, in theory, it's a great thing, but I've honestly been giving some thought to, you know, and and I think the title being the biggest issue, you know, if I don't type in, or if like I'm having my assistant, Caitlin, do the title. So you could bring the title in from Poshmark, but then you have to go to Poshmark, copy the title, bring it back, put it in tote scan. But then at least if you did it that way, um, it it would just be black and white. Like it would, you, you would know exactly what it was. Um, listed under. I also like at the end that Diane mentions, I definitely have used avoidance and donations as my go-to action to solve the problem of removing the unexciting bag of items that will absolutely sell. I think we all do that. (laughs) I think we've all been guilty of it. Um, Even though we know the items will sell, we're like, nope, not doing it. And then send it off. You know, I need to do that more often. I don't do that very often because I look at everything like I, this could sell. You just need to list it, Lori. But like, I just have to cut my losses at some point and just realize, and my accountant reminds me of this all the time. 
if you're dealing with stuff from the bins, or I do this a lot with stuff that people give me, but oh God, I know I didn't pay for that, but I could also make money on that. I'm dealing with it current day with estate sale stuff. Yeah. Like just send it to the real, real, send it to um, thread up or whatever. Oh. But um, he's like, it's not a huge investment. It's not, it's different with retail arbitrage. You don't want to spend $25 on an item, yeah, let it sit in a bag for three weeks and then donate it. We are not recommending that. No, do not but, do um, that. But when you have a pile of stuff that was either no cost to you or was like bins prices with like flaws and you think you're going to get to it, that mental space that it's taking up isn't really worth it. Just Mm -hmm. donate it. Bye. See you later. All right. That's all of the questions. These were really great questions. Thank you to everyone who sent questions in. This was fun. We like doing this. Yeah. Q&As are really fun. I'm I'm always like... um, it's always interesting what, to hear what people are curious about. And those were, those were very thought provoking questions. I know we had to actually think on some of them. Yeah. I need to uh, go back to the drawing board and make my, make my systems more efficient. I'm, <laughs> I'm realizing I don't that. have many good answers is what I'm realizing. No, your answers were good. They were real. They're real. They're honest. Yeah. That's what people want to know. That's what people want to hear. All right. Yeah. Well, thank so, you everybody for listening and tuning in to our Q&A part two. Yeah. Um, we appreciate all the questions that you guys sent in and we appreciate your ongoing support of our podcast. Um, if you guys ever want to head on to uh, Spotify or Apple, Apple to Apple. leave a yeah. review. Yeah. And just let us know what you think of Thrifters Villa. We would love it. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you have a great week and um, happy Labor Day. Yes. Happy Labor Day. Enjoy the time off, Lori. Yeah, you too, hon. I will. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. This is just a reminder that Thrifters Villa's Patreon is officially live. You can find us on patreon.com backslash Thrifters Villa. It is just $5 a month where we're going to offer you bonus content, extra episodes, a free downloadable a month, and live events. So make sure to check us out there and we will see you next week.